about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up like something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Then a voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. All right. Inclusion Rider series. Uh, absolutely, we watched the Oscars and like two days later planned this series. And so that's where we got the name from, Francis McDermott. Does anybody, you know? Yeah? No? Okay. Um, I'll keep going. Yeah, so we're, we're excited because the reason we're excited is because I think this gospel message um, is way more inclusive and way more affirming and way more loving than I think we even know what to do with. Uh, but it also means that we're going to deal with a lot of disruption when it comes to our gospel message. We're going to deal with a lot of disruption uh, in our own personal lives. And let's just be honest, the truth of the matter is we do not love disruption. How many people love being disrupted, right? Um, I think the little things uh, we don't mind so much, right? I, um, you know, the appetizer thing, I like Havarti cheese and grapes. Anybody? Yeah, that's good. And that's my favorite, which is odd. But I like it. But if somebody came to me and they were like, you know what? I like creamy brie and crackers. I'd be like, okay. Like, I'll be disrupted. I'll change my mind a little bit. I'm not worried about that. I'm a Giants fan, but when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, my wife was like, you should root for the Eagles. And I was like, okay. Like, I don't mind being, like, a little bit disrupted that way. That doesn't mind. But the big stuff. Now, the big stuff bothers me. And I think the big stuff bothers all of us. And when I say big stuff, I'm thinking mainly... Our socioeconomic status, I'm thinking of our religious status. So I think, you know, the easiest way we see some of the disruptions taking place uh, are through social media. And not once has anybody in this room, and if you say you did, you're lying, said, you know what? What that person wrote about socioeconomic status and religion on Facebook has changed my mind completely. And I'm happy with that disruption. None of you have done that. Okay? Not a one of you. Um, Because it matters to us. It's important to us. And even in the face of evidence... Or even in the face of of knowing that something might be good for us, we still don't like the idea of being uncomfortable or being disrupted. So there's a real thing called the World Happiness Report, and it's actually a really big deal and uh, really well put together. And in this report... um, In in this report, it says that adjusted for inflation and places to live, that human beings are by far their happiest when they're making $74,000 a year. Now, some of us don't make that money, but for those of us who do or make more than that, none of us are clamoring to give our money away so that we can be happier. We're not. We don't want to be disrupted. We don't want to do it. The World Happiness Report says that we are at our best when we are giving of our time and ourselves to serve other people. And some of us are pretty good at that, but for the most part, that feels like a disruption. That feels uncomfortable. We don't like feeling that way. And if we don't like feeling that way in our socioeconomic statuses, then we're certainly not going to like that in terms of religion. Because for us, a lot of the, what, what we believe religiously, in some cases, is a matter of life and death. So we don't want to change it. We don't want to mess with it. We don't want to consider other options. And if that's the case, you are in good company. Um, Peter, Peter falls into a trance. How many people have fallen into a trance before? (laughs) Yeah, me neither. Um, uh, You know what it actually translates into? The literal translation is Peter was on an ecstasy trip. (laughs) That's how many people have been on an ecstasy trip before. You don't have to answer. You don't have to answer. But that's like the literal Greek translation. Peter was on an ecstasy trip and the sheet falls from heaven and the sheet has all these animals on it and it says, Peter, take this and eat this. And Peter goes, no. 
And it's God. It's, 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 the, it's the infinite and unimaginable. It's the holiest of holies. It's the Alpha and Omega. It's the mystery of the Trinity that comes down and brings this sheet and says a second time, Peter, you should take and eat this. And Peter's like, I can't do, I can't do it. I cannot do it. It happens three times. Finally, God is like, I am God, and you will do this. And Peter goes, no, I won't. Now, why does Peter not want to do this? Why is Peter not listening to God? Is it because he's dumb? Maybe. We don't know. We don't know Peter. But why? why? Why could it be? I mean, it's because of religious conviction. Because Peter, Peter's saying no. Peter's saying no to God because Peter wants to obey God. Peter's saying no to God because he wants to obey God. Now, what does that mean? He's saying no to God because he wants to obey God? Peter comes from a place called Capernaum. It's a city. And in this city, everyone follows the law to an absolute T. Everybody does it. And so this law, which is given by God, is part of their social structure. It's part of their cultural structure. It's even part of their financial structure, okay? And you follow the law. It's called the Torah. And you follow the Torah, and you make sure you do all the things the Torah says. Because if you don't do it, then you're in bad standing with God. But if you do the things that the Torah says, if you follow the law that God gave you, then you are in good standing with God. And not only are you in good standing with God, you're in good standing with your culture and with your society and with whatever uh, economic viability you might have. This means everything to Peter to follow the law that God, God's self, gave. Okay, everything. And so when God says, uh, and so what does the law say? I'm going to read it for you. This is what some of the law says. It says, do not eat any of their meat or touch their carcasses. They're unclean for you. Everything in the water that does not have fins and scales is detestable to you. You are to detest these birds. And then there's 30 verses on the birds you, de- you detest. Uh, they must not be eaten because they are detestable. All four-footed animals that walk on their paws are unclean for you. These creatures that swarm on the ground are unclean for you. So the law given by God, in which God says, when you follow the law, you are in good standing for me, says, don't eat these animals. That is what it says. When Peter says no to God... He's following the laws of God. It's right there in the scriptures. Peter's going, are you kidding me? It says it right here. It's your inspired word. Why would I do anything differently when a sheet comes down? Oh my gosh, Peter. It gets even worse. It gets much worse. Because if you associate with people who eat any of these foods, that puts you in a bad place as well. That puts you in bad standing with God. It puts you in a bad social place. puts you in a bad cultural place. And it's about to get worse for Peter because then we read this. While Peter was deeply perplexed about the vision he had seen, uh, or what the vision he had seen might mean, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon house, Simon's house, stood at the gate. They called out asking Simon, who was also named Peter, if he was lodging there. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, the spirit told him, these men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and accompany, accompany them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. And then Peter went down to the men and said, I, uh, here I am. The one you're looking for, what is the reason you're here? So these men that get sent, they're men who don't follow the law. They're actually Romans. They're actually like the antithesis of what Peter thinks he should do, of what God tells Peter uh, to do. So God has said in the past, Peter, don't hang out with these people. They don't follow the law. They eat the weird four-footed animals. You don't want to be associated with them. Otherwise, you're going to be in really big trouble. Right? And so Peter's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, God shows up again and goes, by the way, Peter, go hang out with them. Go talk to them. And so now Peter's at this crossroads. And the crossroads is this. Do I listen to what the Spirit is saying? Do I listen to the way it's moving in me? Do I decide to pay attention to this this feeling within my conscience or this this nagging feeling and go and be with these people? Do I do that? Because if I do, then there's a life and death situation where I might not be in good graces with God. And I feel that. 
I feel that. How many people grew up in the church? <laughs> okay, all of you, me too. And, and, and I might be oversimplifying, and I've sort of talked about this a couple times, but I think what we've done, and I think what happened in Peter's life as well, is we've created what Diana Butler Bass calls a vertical Christianity. Okay, if we've grown up in the church, we've simplified our Christianity. And so what I mean by vertical is here we are in the middle, we're right here, and up here is heaven, and down here is hell, right? Vertical Christianity. Okay, and so what we do is we say, oh my gosh, I need to get up to that place, heaven, because that's where God is, and that's where I'm in good standing with God. And, and the way that I get there is by creating the right ideals, the right morals, the right platitudes, by following the right laws. And even though we talk about the grace of Jesus Christ, we still say, oh, but there's still morals and platitudes and laws and people I should hang out with and people I shouldn't hang out with, and that's going to get me up here. That's going to get me to heaven. Now, where do we come up with the, 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 the laws and the platitudes and the rights and wrongs? We get them from our holy scriptures, right? We're like, look, if you read in the Bible, the Bible says to do this and not to do that. And so if I want to go up here, I need to not do this, but I need to do that. Otherwise, I might go down here, and I might go to a place of torment, and I might go to a place where things get bad. And so even though we see human beings or people, and they're at our door, so to speak, right? We're still freaked out because the idea that they're even at our door or that we might even affirm or that we might even include actually risks us going down here according to the way we grew up. Does anybody feel this? Anybody at all? It puts us in a place where it's like, well, if I accept that, then I might be putting my own life at stake. It might be going down here instead of up there because the morals and the platitudes that I get from the scriptures tell me otherwise. And so I feel what Peter Feels. I feel that tension. What do we do? Why do we do it? I have a friend. Uh, his name is Stan Mitchell. Uh, he's a pastor in Nashville. He wrote this on his Facebook wall two weeks ago. He said, a Christian college student who is gay just messaged me and said over the past week that he has gone back through two years of my post and read every comment thread. He asked me if he were able to set it up. Would I be willing to speak with his parents? And of course I said yes. He told me that his life depended on how our conversation goes. And I told him that it couldn't, that his life could be good regardless of how much headway I made with his mom and dad. And he responded, I know that makes rational sense, and it's how it should be, but well, please just help me with my parents. Come on, mom and dad, come on, Christians, there's so much riding on us, waking up and getting this right. And here's the deal, our convictions, this vertical Christianity where we follow a set of ideologies and platitudes and morals based on what we read in scripture without doing anything else with it, that puts lives at stake. People's lives are literally at stake when this happens. And this is the, the part that, that really crushes me. Like I can't imagine in a million years that, that, that there would be a God who say, I love all of my creation and I create all of my creation in God's image, right? In my image. But some of you are less than. And some of you I've made you in such a way where you're always going to be broken. And some of you I made in a way where you're always going to have to beg for forgiveness. Some of you are like that. You know, that I can't imagine for a million years our God would be like, I'm going to make you this way and it's going to divide you from your families. And it's going to jeopardize your livelihood. I can't imagine in a million years that our God, the infinite and unimaginable God, would create us that way to be divided, to be broken, to say that. That's not the way the world works. And so maybe if something is said on a page, do we believe that it's still alive? Do we believe that the spirit is still moving? Do we believe that it's still working? Well, Peter did. Peter goes, yeah, I know I follow this Torah to a T. And this is the law of God. And this is what God gave me. And I'm going to break it. I'm going to break it because the spirit is moving in such a way where the spirit is affirming humanity and the spirit is bringing peace to this kingdom. 
And for that reason, I'm going to break it. And I'm going to go hang out with these people. And I might even cook up a couple of four-footed animals in the process. Because this is what Peter says. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of the peace of Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And what's Peter saying when he says every nation who fears him? I love this because the word fear literally translates to who is in awe of him. Who is in awe of God? I love that. Like, who, whoever believes that their God is way bigger than anything else, who could do way more than you could even imagine, that you are the people that are invited into this. You are the people who are invited into this good news. You are the people who are invited into the promise. The only thing that stops you from being invited to the promise is not believing that you're invited to the promise. That's what Peter is saying right here. That, to me, is the good news. It's the good news that we get through Jesus Christ, because what does Jesus Christ do? I love it. Jesus Christ shows up and then just disrupts everything, right? Talks about scripture and goes, well, scripture says this, but you've heard it said, you've heard scripture say this, I'm saying something totally different, right? That's what Jesus does. And Jesus does it to the point where the religious people who are following the law and doing what's right decide to kill Jesus because he's a heretic, because he's doing what they think is wrong. And yet we see that death doesn't win. We see that in Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection shows us that there is a spirit that is still at work, that our scriptures don't stop 2,000 years ago. They're still alive. They're still living. God is still moving. And there are ways in which we are called and moved and pushed forward to say, you know what? Oh, man. I think, I think God is doing bigger things than maybe what I've read or what I grew up with or my tradition or my, you know, my, my culture or whatever. And I'm going to take a step out of faith and be courageous. I'm going to do it. Rob Bell says this, and I don't want us to fall into it. He says, it's possible to resist the very growth and change and expanding consciousness that God desires for each of us by appealing to our religious convictions. And what we need to do is say, you know what, there's, there's change, and there's a new consciousness, and there's an expansion, and the God is part of it. God is part of it. So here's what this college student wrote on Stan Mitchell's wall. Uh, he, he saw Stan's post, and, and I'm not kidding when I tell you hundreds and hundreds of people, hundreds of people were like, you know what, you are loved by God. You were created in God's image. You know what, I am going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for good things. Uh, and then a couple of pastors were like, you know what, your college is actually in my town, so I'm going to go and talk to your parents. I'm going to do that for you. And so this, this student wrote this. He said, thank you for encouraging me to read the comments on the post you wrote about me. Of course I read every comment, but I couldn't help but reread multiple times the comments made by parents. As I read them, I kept reminding myself that many of these parents and their kids were once right where my family finds itself this morning. And I kept envisioning my parents saying these wonderful things to me. And the best way I can explain the feeling I felt as I did is this, that I have been lost in the desert my whole life. And just as I was about to finally succumb to my thirst and die, I found a cool stream. The picture I'm trying to convey is of me, a leathered skeleton, lying on my stomach halfway in the stream, drinking for dear life and experiencing loving acceptance and affirmation for maybe the first time in my life. It is beyond profound. And that, that is the good news of the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's us stepping up. It's saying there's something bigger than just me. There's something bigger than the law. And I'm going to go and search it out. In fact, uh, Sam Knowlton, who goes to this church, he said this to me like two years ago, and I don't know if he remembers it. But he said, you know what? I didn't have to think about marginalized people. I didn't have to think about LGBTQIA people. I didn't have to think about people of color. I didn't have to think about Muslims or anybody else because it just wasn't in my periphery. And the second I sit on the subway and I'm sitting next to everyone who I've never thought about before, all of a sudden I recognize very, very quickly that they're children of God and it changes everything. 
So maybe it's time for us to get on subways, preferably. It's time for us to try new experiences. It's time for us to go out, to travel, to do the things, to, to talk to the people that, that maybe we've traditionally disagreed with. And I can hear some of your voices. You're going, whoa, if I do that, you know, I, I'm, I'm this way. I'm believing that the spirit might be at work, but my family isn't. And, oh, I don't know if I want to have that conversation at Thanksgiving. You know, like, we're feeling that way. And I would say step out, have the courage to do what Peter did. Be disrupted. Be disrupted. Lives are at stake. There are some of us in this room right now who have been on the other side. We've been the ones who have been told that we're broken. We've been the ones who have been told that we don't measure up. We've been the ones that uh, we're told that the way we are, the way we're born, what, what has happened to us is because we're sinners and we're broken and we're in danger of going down here in this vertical Christianity. And if that is the case, then you need to know today that as a church, we are sorry. I'm sorry that's the case. And you need to know the truth that you are absolutely loved and affirmed and included in the kingdom of God, just like the people who showed up at Peter's door. Absolutely. And as a church, one of our, we, we are a just and generous church. We want to live out the expression of Jesus Christ. And, and one of the ways we do that is by caring for each other. And if that's you and you need a place to heal and to rest, be here and we'll care for you. There are some of us who are having a hard time getting rid of our vertical Christianity. It's a lot at stake. Feels like there's a lot at stake. Oh man, what if I do believe the wrong thing? What if I am getting this wrong? What if that's not really the spirit, but it's just indigestion? I don't, you know. What if? And it's hard because my guess is a holy sheet is not going to come down from heaven. That is my guess. But are we willing, maybe for some of us, but are we willing to allow ourselves to be disrupted? Are we willing to allow ourselves to maybe feel or hear or, or see an interruption that is really an opportunity to bring God's peace to God's kingdom? Are we there? Are we feeling that? Are we ready for that? And yeah, I don't know what the spirit looks like. Maybe it's a time in prayer and silence where you're going, oh my gosh, I think, I think I need to experience this new thing or I think I need to love this person who I've been told traditionally I shouldn't love or I think I need to change the way I see the spirit at work in my life. Don't wait years. Because when we feel that, we wait years, right? I know, I, well, maybe just me. I wait years. Let's do it. Let's take the courage to go down to the door and let people in to be disrupted the way Peter did. And it's painful, and it's hard, and I get it. I, I, you know, it's one of these things where it's like, uh, wow, we're, we're like deconstructing our whole kind of idea or our whole paradigm or our whole theology, and it feels like the brick that's pulled out, the whole thing falls down. A pastor compared it to, to leaving a village and not being able to come back. But every single time we leave the village, we have the courage, we do what Peter does. Every single time, the kingdom of God gets a little bit more peaceful, and God gets what God wants just a little bit more and uses us to do it. So let us do the good kingdom work. Let us have the courage to do it because, my Lord, we are on an ecstasy trip. Let's enjoy it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for examples and stories like we get of Peter who, who literally risks it all. Literally risks it all to tell people they're loved and included. And Lord, I pray boldly this morning, really boldly, that there's some of us in this room that we would risk it all in order to let others know that you are good and you are God and that they are God's children. Lord, I pray for healing and for peace for those of us who have been told otherwise. And I pray as a church we would live out our mission and vision to proclaim the truly good news of Jesus Christ, the ultimate disruptor. Praise in your name. Amen.